What's up, everybody? Anthony Kazenza here with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com coming at you a little bit last minute notice, but coming at you with the Happening Headline show as we usually do either on Monday or Tuesday, beginning of the week, letting you know what is going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, what's going on with the AFC North, what's going on with the rest of the NFL, as we are now officially in draft month, the month of April, very end of the month, the Bengals will have three days worth of activities to improve their football team in a number of different ways. And there are a lot of different pieces of news and information coming out in terms of visits, player visits, workouts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We talked a little bit about that. John Sheeran and myself did last week on that front. So we've got some more information, some of which has just come across in the last, you know, uh, half day, if not last few hours here. So we'll get to that. And uh, just talk talk about what's going on in the league, get you caught up. So it sounds like you, as you go to your office, as you chat with your family at a barbecue or upcoming holidays, get-togethers sort of thing, you can sound like a well-informed Bengals fan, a well-informed football fan, and you don't even need to credit us if you don't want to. <laughs> Again, I'm Anthony Gazenza with CincyJungle.com, and this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel right down there. There's a little icon there. The OBI icon, click that to subscribe and the bell to get notified when new content is available and when we go live. You can also catch the live show on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page by giving that a like. So give that a thumbs up if you like the Facebook platform. Uh, We stream live on a couple of different Twitter accounts as well, so check us out there. And, of course, if you can't join us live, you are always, always welcome to get the show on the audio front and whatever your favorite streamer is, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on all the major ones there. you got to like and subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. And if you would, leave a review. Leave a review if you could and uh, let us know how we're doing. We appreciate that. Helps with not only our quality level of the show, but also just to uh, make sure that we get you we get you what you want in terms of listenership and whatnot. But we appreciate all the support that you've shown this show and the rest of the shows on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Let's get it rolling. Good to see everybody. There's a lot of hellos and hellos, good familiar faces and um. Good to see all of you all new uh, from our friend, the Orange Arrow, Bengals and Brews, their new podcast there. Check that out. I think it's uh, our good boy, our good buddy, Derek Davis and his boy, Dale Altman, are uh, uh, spearheading that one. I think in a few weeks over draft weekend, I might be hitting that show up. So check that out. Fun time. And uh, we love our buddy, the Orange Arrow. He's been good to our show. And uh so check that out. Give that a subscribe if you would too. We like um, we like telling people about other Bengals podcasts too. It's all good. Anyway, all right, let's get it rolling. This we're going to start with some brand new news. The Bengals made a signing, announced a signing on Tuesday. Nick Eubanks, tight end. We've been talking about how tight end is a little bit of a thin position group. Uh, spent some time with Dallas Cowboys uh, and a couple of other teams. Last year, uh, before joining the Cincinnati Bengals, he was an undrafted free agent last year. They announced it Tuesday, 6'5", 256. Some others say at the Combine he was more, uh, it was a little bit, for some reason, a little bit shorter and a little bit lighter than that, according to his RAS profile. 
Um, but at, at any rate, he was a, a college free agent signee of the Cowboys. Then he latched on to the Eagles and the Lions. And then now he is with the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously looking to round out their roster and make sure they have some things in place and have an idea as to exactly where their roster stands before they get into the draft in a few weeks. Um, played in 36 games at the University of Michigan. I'm sorry, Ohio State fans. Um, honorable mention, all Big Ten honors in 2019. College career was 45 catches, 578 yards, and six touchdowns. Obviously, Michigan kind of had some ups and downs at the quarterback position, so that affects the numbers there a little bit. But he had uh, 10 catches for 117 yards and a touchdown in his final collegiate season of 2020. Of course, uh, that was an interesting season with the COVID stuff at its height. So, you know, you got to take that those numbers for what you will there. And then uh, 25 catches for 243 yards and four touchdowns as a junior in 2019. So he's going to be competing with Mitchell Wilcox, who signed an uh, ERFA deal. Thad Moss, who still has a, a year left on his deal. Scotty Washington, a converted wide receiver, just big, big dude, uh, is making the conversion to tight end. So Eubanks is going to be competing there as a back-end player. We'll see what happens here. I would, I would assume, even with the Hayden Hurst signing, I, w- I would assume with C.J. Uzama leaving Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal, uh, Mitchell Wilcox on a one-year deal, Thad Moss on the final year of his deal, um, and a lot of questions in terms of players, Drew Sample on the final year of his deal as well, you're going to probably see the Bengals take a tight end, I would assume, probably mid-rounds. We, we talked about Trey McBride last week. Maybe that's a guy they look at if he's floating in there. At the back of round two would be a nice fit for the Bengals, but uh, I would I would assume maybe early day three they would address the position maybe in round in round three as early as that if they wanted to go there we'll see what happens there's another you know intriguing guy huge guy Jelani Woods who's out there so we'll see what they do but I would assume that the Bengals are going to look at bringing in a tight end in the draft by drafting one I would assume by the middle rounds you'll see one selected there um, just to groom one going forward but especially with all the the contracts expiring next year you got to you got to see that. Um, let's keep it rolling. I see. Uh, I see a, a comment from Crypt Keeper here about uh, Katie Black. I didn't. I did not see the uh, see or hear the. There's a little bit of a uh, a no no word there, but we'll, we'll 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 blur that out. But I did not see to your question the Pat McAfee talking about Katie Blackburn. Um, I know. Pat McAfee has quite a few ardent listeners um, of his show. So I um, I just kind of catch the clips if and where I can. I did not see that, but we do have an article talking uh, from some quotes about Katie Blackburn. So Crib Keeper, we will, uh, uh, <laughs> we will, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, just trying to keep this thing a little bit PG-13 a little bit when we can, but hey, John and I get, some, get the occasional potty mouth too. There's no, there's no worries about that Crib Keeper, but. I appreciate that. We are going to talk about Katie Blackburn's comments about the Deshaun Watson contract as well in just a little bit. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, Bengals are showing interest in prospects. Now, I mentioned Trey McBride. We talked last week, John Sheeran and I, about McBride, and John noted that the Bengals tight end coach, James Casey, was working out and conducting workouts with McBride at his pro day. McBride had a good pro day, uh, a little bit over, I think it was five, Four five four forty. So that was something that was nice to see for folks who are interested in him. Um, seeing that nice forty-yard dash, we'll see exactly how that 
increases his draft stock, but um, a guy that, you know, a lot of teams are going to be intrigued by the consensus top tight end. So the Bengals were involved there. They are also showing interest in a couple of other players. Jake Herslow of the University of Houston is one. Uh, he had a good showing at Houston's Pro Day. And you can see here from Aaron Wilson, NFL insider, uh, had a short shuttle of 419. Uh, the um, 703 caught football well, and uh, the Bengals uh, were, were there. And intense interest apparently was from at least noted by Aaron Wilson, Seahawks, Colts, Saints, Bengals. Um, and so he is a guy that they may be looking at. Um, he did not play in 2020 because of the pandemic but he transferred to Houston and played immediately. He finished the 21 season with 480 yards on 36 catches. And so um, obviously they're looking for special teams help as well, which is somewhere where Herslow could help them out. I will pin this article in the live chats for you all on Cincy Jungle. And again, this is also some of the information courtesy of Aaron Wilson, the NFL insider there. So go give him a follow on Twitter. If you are not already, he is at, Aaron Wilson underscore NFL, a guy who's long been a good source of information for Bengals fans, AFC North fans. He used to, I, I think he was pretty, pretty closely affiliated with the Baltimore Ravens as well, um, at least covered them. And so he's, he's a good resource of information. Here's another one. CincyJungle.com has this one up as of yesterday. The Bengals are going to work out um, Jamari Sawyer, big boy. Big offensive lineman Jamari Sawyer um, of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. He recently worked out for the Saints and he'll soon work out for the Bengals. This is from at Justin M underscore NFL, another good resource of NFL news. <clears throat> He's already met virtually with the Packers and the Broncos to name a few, and he'll soon meet with the Raiders. Again, I apologize for the clearing of the throat. No stuff. I think I got. I don't, I never used to have allergies, but I feel like I've got like a little allergy thing going on this spring for some reason. I don't know, getting older. I don't know what the deal is. Anyway, uh, he did the bench press at the combine. Um, and that was, that was about it. 31 reps, but a, a big guy and his first year as a starter was in 2020 as noted. Um, he was a left tackle there, saw playing time at left guard. Played mostly left tackle again, saw time at right guard. So, again, one of these offensive linemen that has versatility and has starts at multiple positions. We talked on last week at the um, listener listener question show. We talked a little bit about how the Bengals really covet versatility out of their offensive linemen and their offensive line prospects. So uh, you can see there he played with Trey Hill, six-round pick last year. So um, this this is going to be a guy who's not going to be drafted on the first round, but, um, you know, could be could be a guy that they look at night two, that sort of thing. Um, just kind of depends on where they see the value there. But uh, a big guy and a guy who has experience at left tackle and a guy who has experience at uh, – uh, both guard positions with Georgia. And that seems to be something that the Bengals would really look hard at uh, as a possible guy that they bring in as a prospect and developmental guy here uh, behind some of the big, big free agent signings that they made just a couple weeks ago. Let's keep it rolling. And this is from the great crew over at all Bengals, James Rapine, Elise, Jesse, Lindsay Patterson, Blake Jewell, 
all of the fine, uh, our boy Sons, all of the fine folks over at All Bengals. I will pin this link in the live chat. Uh, and this is another piece of information in terms of interest the Bengals have shown in a incoming in an incoming rookie, uh, Nebraska wide receiver Samori Toure. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. They're one of multiple teams that have expressed interest in Nebraska wide receiver, again, according to Aaron Wilson. Uh, older, 24-year-old, uh, older guy, but led the Cornhuskers with 46 catches, 898 yards, five touchdowns last season, averaged 19.5 yards per catch and topped the 100-yard mark five times. Not too shabby there, especially Nebraska, which isn't known as a bombs away pass, you know, big passer type of school. They're kind of a, a ground and pound defense and, and strong special teams, occasional big play on offense. But you see there almost 20 yards a catch. That's pretty solid. Chiefs, Packers, Colts, 49ers have also expressed interest in Touré. 4.4840 um, at the pro day and uh, some other decent numbers there. But Again, as I mentioned, 24-year-old, that's a, that's a little older. Um, you got to wonder, you know, where the, if he's still an ascending player at that point, and if so, how much and what his role would be with the Bengals. But they are looking – the Bengals are looking for depth beyond the big three. Uh, they brought back Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas, but lost to Auden Tate. And they're going to need some help potentially in the punt return department. They're going to need some extra depth. They're going to find, need to find out who wide receiver four is at this point and um, go from there. So they are going to um, uh, they're going to do their due diligence are the Bengals at this point. Now, let's keep talking about the draft. And this was a neat article from Bengals.com. Jeff Hobson, in case you have not checked it out, this was as of yesterday, Monday. I will post this in the live chat for you all here to enjoy and digest. And here you go. Scouting Bengals final draft push. Uh, and you can see here talking about, you know, how they do some different things and, uh, you know, uh, a little look in the past and all kinds of different, uh, different things here. And you can see there's, uh, they're talking about local schools and all kinds of different things. It's, it's, it's one of these uh, really, really good spring and summer articles that Jeff Hobson tends to write when uh, the news is not so coming as in a big rush as it does in the first week of free agency and or right around the draft. Um, so give it a read. I'm not going to go into too, too much stuff, but give it a read. It's kind of kind of cool in terms of getting a peek behind the curtain a little bit with the Cincinnati Bengals and the draft process. Check it, check it out. Let's keep rolling on here. A lot of talk about this dude today, especially because he's been mocked to the Bengals in at least one, I think maybe even two mock drafts. And the guy who's the picture of our YouTube video, <laughs> uh, Todd McShay picks Tyler Linderbaum for Bengals in a two-round mock. So at number 31, he has the Bengals taking Tyler Linderbaum. We talked about Linderbaum on the listener listener questions. Um, and, and go check out our Twitter account or John Sheeran's Twitter account for a little bit of a quick video on, on what we talked about with that. Or go check out the entire episode if you would. But essentially, you know, a guy who's a good – it's 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 all about film. 
with Linderbaum. It's not the measurables because he's got the short arms. You know, he's not the biggest guy, and you worry about all of that kind of stuff. You also worry about the lack of versatility that I mentioned that the Bengals really like. I said that a couple minutes ago. He's a center only. That's that's what this guy is and uh, does not have experience really elsewhere. He is a center, 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 and that is it. And the Bengals right now have Ted Karras, but as we know, his scores, his data shows that he has performed slightly better at both guard positions in the NFL as opposed to center. So, you know, this may be an option for the Bengals. Maybe they move this kid to center if they do select him. Karras is now your left guard and uh, your draft picks from last year, Carmen, Deontay Smith, what have you. Maybe they grind for a spot or they are ready and capable backups, I guess. And uh, that's that's where you go. But here you go. McShay picked him to the Bengals at number 31 overall. Here is the synopsis. Uh, by now, the Bengals' protection woes of 21 are well-documented. Quarterback Joe Burrow took way, way too many hits last season, and the offensive line was a glaring problem coming into the offseason. Cincinnati wasn't messing around in free agency, though, signing offensive tackle Leo Collins, interior lineman Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. That's a big improvement, but is it enough? I'm not sure Karras is a long-term answer, and Linderbaum should quickly emerge as one of the best centers in the NFL. Linderbaum anchors well and fights to the whistle. And his zone blocking ability right there, zone blocking, that's the that's the scheme fit. The schematic fit with the Bengals will open lanes for running back Joe Mixon. And as an added bonus, this is terrific value. Lind Linderbaum is my number 18 prospect on McShay's board. So I, I think in a lot of ways this makes a lot of sense. But also when you see what the Bengals have done in free agency, the desperation to grab this kid doesn't seem to be there. Again, this is all about film with Linderbaum. You can't, you're going to have to overlook the measurables in order to talk yourself into this pick. Uh, and at 31, instead of 16, 20, number 10 overall, what have you, uh, even 18, if he is the 18th best prospect, I mean, then you go, well, uh, you may have some some issues taking him because of the measurables at that point. Back into the first round, very one of the very last picks, you may not have a big, uh, a big issue with it. He also has them taking Wisconsin linebacker Leo Chenal, uh, noting that Jermaine Pratt is a free agent next year. Chanal offers Cincinnati a plug-and-play candidate. He made 108 tackles last season and added eight sacks, so a versatile guy there and a guy that could be on the radar for the Bengals um, at number 63 overall. We'll see. The Bengals did invest heavily, as we know, at linebacker in the 2020 draft with the you know the, the selections of, of Joe Burrow and whatnot, but uh, – McShay has them going linebacker again in the second round after taking Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. So uh, we're seeing that uh, one nation underground Linderbaum at center and Karras at guard. That's um, what, what would be the case I would assume. Um, I mean, they paid Karras pretty well. So if, if McShay is saying he's not a long-term answer or if people are saying he needs to be pushed to, to compete maybe as a guard or what have you, the Bengals paid him pretty decent money. So we'll have to we'll have to see how how this shakes out, and maybe they try Karras initially at center, and if they feel that Linderbaum, you know, maybe he's a backup at, at some point. I don't know, but uh, I mean, if if you're picking Linderbaum, I think the point is that you're going to play him right away, and you're going to play him at center, and you're going to figure out what you're going to do at left guard between Karras, Carmen, Deontay Smith, etc. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, moving off the draft and just kind of some general news and notes with the Cincinnati Bengals here. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow, I think, on the show, John Sheeran and myself tomorrow night. But I thought this was a, a really, really insightful article. And this is, it stems from, uh, hey, Derek from Scotland. What's going on, man? Uh, thanks for joining us live. I thought this was really cool. And this is something that I wondered exactly what how the Bengals were handling their training and whatnot. Um, for years, we knew that the Bengals had just terrible luck about putting all kinds of players on IR, soft tissue injuries, torn knee ligaments, all kinds of different things into very important players. You can go back just a couple of years to AJ Green and the ankle deal. And I mean, it just was like, come on, you, you got you to get these things right. Now, this is really, really, and I want to encourage folks to go read the entire and subscribe to The Athletic and go read the entire article from Paul Daner Jr. talking about this. Um, uh, Taylor and, and uh, Joey Boas, the um, guy who's heading up the, the training staff. Here you go right here. That This is an excerpt from the article in The uh, Athletic. The type of health the Bengals enjoyed this past year does go back to luck. Injuries always do. However, the Bengals are ultra-reliant on the technology that tells them when guys are fatigued, overextended, or just need days off at practice. Taylor focused his off-season routines, camp practices, and the season schedules on keeping players fresh for Sundays. It's tough to pull back on practice reps, but when trainer Joey Boas says his eyes and the numbers say to back off, he's done it. And then you see here another excerpt here. Research presented at the league meeting showed a vast majority of soft tissue injuries were occurring early in camp and then had high instances of re-aggravation as the season progresses. Taking it easy in the summer tends to lead to availability in the winter. This is genius. This is absolute genius by the, by the Bengals. And this is something that, quite honestly, when you have a young, offensive-minded, innovative, aggressive head coach like Zach Taylor – this is the type of stuff where you go, we really got to research into these things. And we got to, we got to look at the, you know, once you get the big picture in place, you've got major pieces of your roster, your quarterback, star wide receivers, you know, you're building the roster, you're doing things the right way. Then you can hone in on the fine tuning things like this. And this is, this is a little thing, but it ends up being a big thing. And we know that. So this is this is really neat. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow, John Sharon and myself. But I thought this was awesome to read, awesome to see, and uh, the Bengals are doing doing things the right way here. And you can see that this is. I think also when you looked back at the injury reports and you saw guys maybe even miss games, miss practices, and you go, "What happened? I didn't know what happened." This kind of explains a little bit of that. And, you know, there was, I think it was a labrum issue that T Higgins had early in the season and you go, Oh boy, is he going to be gone? So he was out for, you know, a couple of games and then he came back and kind of eased his way back in a little bit, especially from a production standpoint. But these are the things where you go, we're not, we're not 
chancing long-term situations by overexerting these guys, by practicing when their bodies are kind of broken down a little bit and tired and fatigued. That's when injuries occur. That's when bad injuries occur. We're going to monitor this kind of stuff. And so the Bengals were fortunate to be able to avoid a lot of those things. And uh, it's luck, but it's also, you know, using an innovative approach on things. So kudos to them. That was a really neat article from Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic, and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Let's keep going with – here you go. This is a little bit on the same vein as the training aspect, the monitoring of injuries aspect in some way. Long-time trainer, and this is from – uh, Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer. I will pin this in the live chat as well. But Bengals longtime head athletic trainer, Paul Sparling, a name we have heard forever. Paul Sparling. We have heard this name for a long, 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 long time. I think about three decades to be exact. He is stepping down. So, uh, He's worked 845 NFL games over the course of his 30-year career. Wow. Kudos to him. Uh, he was 32 when uh, the, the, the when he took the head athletic trainer title there. Um, so it, it will <laughs> – I think my computer froze up a little bit here. But – at any rate, um, the the Bengals head trainer, Paul Sparling, a guy who has been with the Bengals for three decades, um, is stepping down as a head trainer. So they are moving on from that. And congratulations on a long, long career, Mr. Sparling, moving, uh, moving on to different things in the next phase of his life. Now, let's get going to the another Cincy Jungle article here. And these are some quotes and news and notes from the owners' meetings, etc. Zach Taylor praises Eli Apple and says Jamar Chase has only scratched the surface from our friend Drew Garrison here, Cincy Jungle contributor, podcast host as well. We will uh, – I'll pin that in the live chat for everybody to check out. The quotes here, and this is via Jeff Hobson. Talking about Eli Apple, quote, he can continue to build on that, meaning a a surprisingly solid 21. He can continue to build on that now that he is more comfortable living in Cincinnati for a year, knowing how to get to work, knowing the what the meeting structure is, knowing what the quality of the corners that he's going to play against. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is Jamar Chase he's talking about, not, uh, not Eli Apple. I'm sorry. Uh, he can continue to build on that now, now that he's more comfortable living in Cincinnati, uh, knowing how to get to work knowing what the meeting structure is, knowing what the quality of the corners he's going to play against. You get a chance to sit on that information for six months, come back and attack year two. And I'm excited to see what he could do. My mistake. That was in reference to Jamar Chase, not Eli Apple. In terms of Apple, he said, uh, Taylor said, quote, if you don't have a quality corner, people are going to find him and pick on him. Eli Apple is a quality starting corner in this league. I've got a lot of praise for Eli. I have a lot of respect for the things he did for us this year. He was a priority to try and bring back because I think our team appreciates him. Uh, we sat in on the virtual media sessions and asked some questions of players like Eli Apple before the Super Bowl. Um, echoed that, 
Echo that he's, you know, really been pretty comfortable in this, uh, in this system, reuniting with Lou Anarumo and whatnot. Uh, so this, this kind of echoes that, but the Bengals feel pretty good about Eli Apple. That does not mean that they will not take a little bit of a double negative there. Uh, they will probably be looking at taking a corner early in this year's draft. I would assume there are some, there's some talk additionally, I don't have, uh, the, the tweet or what have you pinned up to share, but there is some dialogue reportedly that the Bengals are talking with Trey flowers. Both, both sides are eager to to work out an agreement. It's just making the numbers work and whatnot. So Trey flowers, maybe back in the mix is kind of that safety corner hybrid, a guy that can shadow tight ends and, you know, kind of work in the slot a little bit. So that, you know, I would assume Trey flowers comes back in the fold in some capacity pretty soon here based on these reports. So that's another thing here in terms of um, uh, cornerbacks and what the Bengals are going to do. We'll see, but Eli Apple is back and it seems as if the Bengals We'll probably still be shopping for a corner in the draft. We'll see exactly what happens there going forward. But uh, Taylor's excited that Eli Apple's back. And I think to some degree, most of us are uh, that follow the Bengals as well. Eli Apple played pretty well in a lot of different spots last year. Um, you know, higher profile role than I think a lot of people imagined for him. So he stepped up when the team needed him in the wake of Trey Wayne's getting injured again. We kind of knew this a little bit. This is uh, so I won't spend a ton of time on this one. Uh, before we start getting into the AFC North in just a second here, the Bengals were among three teams to vote against the new overtime proposal. We talked about that a little bit on the show here, but um, here is a statement from Katie Blackburn, rock star Katie Blackburn quote. I'm just a fan of the sudden death aspect of it. And Blackburn was the one who had uh, voted against it. I think guys have been playing for a long time. You had four quarters to try and win the game. I like the rules being the same for the regular season and the postseason, so everyone is playing the same game. I just think if you have to play an extra full quarter, to me, that's a little bit of a disadvantage for the team that wins and plays the next week. I thought the rule was very exciting as it was. There's always going to be a little bit of unfairness in my mind. So she's kind of taken on the old school uh, – mantra i guess and uh, a little bit like her her dad her dad kind of was a very traditionalist type of guy or is i should say a traditionalist kind of guy so she's kind of adopting that mindset as well but the Bengals were one of three teams to vote against the overtime rule change that is going to be taking place for this year in the postseason a little bit of praise recently from sean mcveigh to zach taylor and this is courtesy of Bengals Wire, Chris Rowling, who does a great job over at USA Today's Bengals Wire blog there. Go check that out. I will pin that this article here. But Sean McVay thinks Zach Taylor's Bengals will keep contending for a long time. Here's the quote. And again, this is via Jeff Hobson as well. It's sights and sounds from the owners' meetings. They were, a, they were a lot more competitive than we were the first time. I don't think... He needs my advice. He was a big part of a lot of things that have been good with LA in the five years we've been here. I'm rooting for the Bengals unless we see each other. More than anything, I just appreciate him, Our, meaning Taylor. Our time together was really special. He's such a great coach, just the resilience, the way he's led. It's been so impressive. Some of the adversity they've been able to overcome is a real credit and testament to his leadership. I just told him, loved him, and really appreciated him. And they're going to be a really good team for many years to come. And obviously Taylor worked under McVeigh 
with the Rams as an offensive assistant, then parlayed that position into a job with the Bengals. The two faced each other in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately for the Bengals, that did not go their way, barely losing to the Rams and McVay in that game in Super Bowl 56, but an exciting game nonetheless. And it would seem that the Bengals' future is pretty bright with what's ahead for them and what's what's ahead uh, with their with their young football team in a lot of different areas. They're they're still a really young team. Uh, one more with Katie Blackburn, and this is the one that Crip Keeper brought up a little earlier regarding Deshaun Watson. This is on Cincy Jungle. Uh, I haven't talked a lot of Deshaun Watson just because it's just not the greatest topic to spend a lot of time about, but we've obviously covered what we need to cover on this and all kinds of different things. Obviously we know by now the Browns signed Deshaun Watson to a fully guaranteed $230 million five-year contract. They traded for him with the Houston, uh, Houston Texans and um, they 80 more, $80 million more guaranteed than any of the players ever been given in NFL history. So Katie Blackburn had some, had some, Quotes on this, all contracts can have a ripple effect, is what she told the Athletics' Jay Morrison. I haven't looked at the contract closely enough, so I don't know if there are ways the guarantees can void if certain things happen. Maybe that's not something that can happen. We'll see. I have not had the chance to really study it yet or look at it, to be fair. It's on my list, but I'm behind. The additional quote, I don't focus on the guaranteed as much because in theory, if the player gets the money at the end of the day, that's what's important to him. So if the player is good enough and plays out the contract, he gets the money. And then here we go right here. The thing that has always given us some pause is if for some reason things go badly. It's not fair to the team in the future if there's a large amount of money going to someone else with the way the system works today. So we've always tried to balance that out. But we work in a world where we realize other contracts have some effects. So we'll just have to see where that stands. And when it comes to that time, at some point, we're going to pay the cap amount. So we just have to find a way to make that work and what's in the best interest of the team. And obviously she's referring to guaranteed money, salary cap hits and all of that with that quote there. And with this, obviously there's the ripple effect. That's all also kind of not being said by Katie Blackburn, but also was kind of being said is what that means for the Bengals when it comes time to pay Joe Burrow. And then you also look at the Aaron Rodgers contract that he received with the Green Bay Packers this offseason, what does that mean for Joe Burrow? So there's a lot of things where you go, okay, there's a domino effect here. And, of course, when you look at uh, some other Browns sites or uh, fans on Twitter, et cetera, their take is, well, we're just – we were able to get our quarterback and stick it to the, the teams like the Bengals and the Ravens because they have to sign their quarterbacks to mega deals. Okay, well, whatever. Um, but that – uh, the, the fact of the matter is agents and star quarterbacks, when it comes time to renegotiate a contract, they're going to look at this Deshaun Watson contract and say, this guy got this much guaranteed with the baggage that was following him. What are you going to do for my client? And uh, it really has in a way changed the landscape, the financial landscape of the NFL going forward at the quarterback, especially at the quarterback position. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But cross that bridge, 
when you come to it. I'm Anthony Gazette with CincyJungle.com. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Going to be here a few more minutes uh, chatting about some headlines around the AFC North and then some NFL headlines, and then we are going to be out of here. But we're we're going to hang for a little bit longer. We've got quite a few live viewers. Appreciate you all tuning in, whether it's through the Facebook page of Cincy Jungle, our YouTube channel, or a number of Twitter accounts. Thanks for hanging out and check uh, checking out the live show. If you did not, if you are not able to check out the live show, Go download it on your favorite audio streamer after the fact, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or you can always catch the video on one of those other platforms, Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, if you want to do it that way. But uh, all of this is where we're, our stuff is here for you, Bengals fans. So hopefully you enjoy it. But uh, thanks for hanging out. And uh, let's keep rolling on with some AFC North headlines as we transition out of the Cincinnati Bengals headlines a little bit. Brown's going special teams crazy. They re-signed kicker Chase McLaughlin, who converted 71.4% of his field goals last year. So they re-signed him, and that is on clevelandbrowns.com. And then the Browns also decided to sign a punter. So they uh, are, are working the special teams unit pretty heavily here of late. Corey Bajorquez. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, he is a four-year veteran, also was a punter for Buffalo and Green Bay. So the Browns signed him, and this is on Dogs by Nature, the SB Nation, Cleveland Browns website, if you want to check that out. So the Browns making a couple of transactions on the special teams side of things. And uh, we'll see what it does for them, but uh, kind of working the ancillary spots around the team as after getting Deshaun Watson in place as quarterback. So no surprise here. And this is potentially, if you want to take it this way, the Bengals live in rent free in the AFC North foes minds. The Ravens are quote concerned about cornerback depth. They need an instant draft hit. According to Ryan Mink of BaltimoreRavens.com. Here's the link to that pinned in the live chats. The Ravens are concerned quote about cornerback depth. They need an instant draft hit. You see here, there's Derek Stingley on the left from LSU, and the, um, Trent McDuffie, one of two really good Washington corners in this year's class. But really talking about, um, you know, Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey, Peter, Marcus Peters being back, but they have a lot of gaps to fill at cornerback. Uh, so do not be surprised if the Ravens go early and often at defensive back and secondary, especially with the amount of passing yards and points that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company put up on them last year, twice, twice. So, and you can see here, Oh, here's the wide receiver, rich AFC North, as it's noted by Ryan Mink. At any rate, do not be surprised if the Baltimore Ravens go defensive heavy cornerback heavy in this year's draft, particularly in the early rounds and you can check out that link here. Meanwhile, speaking of Lamar Jackson's, uh, his contract situation, negotiations, all that kind of stuff, here is from Baltimore Beatdown, which is the SB Nation Baltimore Ravens website. I will pin that here. This is a report. Lamar Jackson wants to play out this season before engaging in further contract negotiations, and that is from Mr. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Quote, per a source of knowledge of the situation, Jackson has told the Ravens that he is currently too focused on having his best possible year and that he doesn't want to do a deal until the 22 season is over. Um, 
the second, and then you write the writer here says this echoes the popular opinion that Lamar is betting on himself to make some more cash and go on a playoff run in the coming season and possibly win a Super Bowl. And this is from Zach Cantor on Baltimore Beatdown. So go check that out. Um, again, one of these tough situations for a team like the Ravens, given the Deshaun Watson situation and what they're looking at. But um, you can see here they could use the, the franchise tag on him, which he estimates to be about $34 million in 23 whew, and $40.8 million in 24. Um, but yeah, when you see here, it could be, could be a, a bit of a difference between the 46 and $50 million that, uh, some of the top guys are making on average this year. So go check that out. But it looks like Lamar Jackson's going to be betting on himself this year before engaging in more contract talks with the Baltimore Ravens. We will see. This is from Steelers wire. This is a somewhat new Report. I think it was either late yesterday, early today, that sort of thing. Here is the Steelers Wire report. Uh, NFL Network reporter says Steelers are preparing to make Minka Fitzpatrick highest paid NFL safety. And this is obviously something that is going to affect the Bengals and Jesse Bates. But you could see here, Jamal, there's Jamal Adams. There is uh, Justin Simmons of Denver. I mean, there's a lot of big uh, safeties here. And uh, Aditi Kikabwala on 93.7 The Fan says, a big deal is coming for Minka. It's almost done, and she expects it will make him the highest paid safety. So we got to keep an eye on that from the Bengals' side of the fence as it goes with Jesse Bates and what the Bengals may, uh, may or may not do with this. And, of course, that guaranteed money situation is something that they're going to need to keep an eye on as things progress. So um, that, uh, hey, thanks, Danny. Appreciate the comment. Um, appreciate you. But, yeah, Mika, Fitzpat Mika Fitzpatrick talking about uh, him getting a big deal and how that's going to affect the Bengals. Maybe a record-setting, market-setting, positional type of deal from the Steelers with Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, this is from Michael Beck, who generously had me on his podcast, uh, part of the SB Nation Network, the Behind the Steel Curtain website. Michael Beck here, great guy. And um, you can see here the Steelers may be forced to trade up for a quarterback, and you go, well, okay, maybe, yeah, I mean, sort of an obvious statement. But with a recent trade that occurred yesterday, the Saints – getting two picks in front of him and they have Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton as their quarterbacks right now do does new Orleans. The Steelers may be forced to move up to get a guy like Kenny Pickett. If that's the guy they want to get the hometown guy. So uh, you can see here kind of talking about the different options here, but that is something that, you know, you didn't really think about further until this trade, this draft trade. And I'm going to talk about what that looked like here in one second, uh, but that draft trade really affects what the Steelers are going to do, given that a potential quarterback hungry team needs, um, you know, you got in front of them here. Here it is right here. And this is on NFL.com saints add a second 22 first round pick in the draft in a multi-pick trade with the Eagles. <laughs> Saints are requiring the 16th and 19th overall picks in a sixth round selection. 
Um, and New Orleans is sending Philadelphia the 18th overall pick uh, and a 23 first rounder, a 24 second rounder, a 22 pick from the third round, which is pick number 101, and a seventh round selection this year, number 237. Did you get all that? 16th and 19th getting. They're going to the Saints. 18th this year. Third round pick, number 101 and 237 this year, as well as a 223 first rounder and a 24 second rounder to Philadelphia. So there you go. That's why Pittsburgh may need to move up and get a quarterback and trade and sacrifice draft capital to do so if they want to do that. Um, that's uh, something to think about. Speaking of the Saints, they are busy, busy, busy. Um, not only making trades, but now – they are hosting former kind of hometown guy, at least college-wise, Tyron Matthew. He is visiting the Saints, so you can check out a little bit more on that. Matthew was orig uh, originally linked to the Steelers in the earlier parts of free agency. That didn't. He wanted to play with Minka Fitzpatrick, reportedly. That didn't work out, so he's been kind of taking his time and making visits and enjoying the free agency process to see where his best situation is going to be. But uh, that's on NFL.com right there. He is visiting the Saints. And as I mentioned, there was one quarterback name I did not say on the New Orleans roster, and that is Blake Bortles, um, because they are releasing him after signing Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. You can see this. This is on NFL.com as well. Uh, Bortles wants to go get a, a more solid number two role somewhere, apparently. Yeah. So now you've got, you know, he signed in New Orleans late, late last year. Um, you had Ian Book in the mix, Taysom Hill in the mix. And then now, like I said, they just re-signed Jameis Winston. They just brought in Andy Dalton. So now you've got Bortles kind of the odd man out, and he's going to um, test free agency, see where he can get maybe a backup gig going forward here. So a lot of stuff with the Saints. Busy, busy, busy. Uh, this was an interesting one from Lance Zierlein, again on NFL.com. Lance Zierlein, a guy who focuses in on the NFL draft. I liked this one here. The strongest position group, the weakest, and he kind of ranks them edge defender, uh, safety, uh, interior offensive line, cornerback. So check this out. This is a, a cool ranking in terms of strength to strength of the draft class to weaknesses of the draft class. Um, and he talks about, you know, a couple names and, and whatnot. I thought this was a, a unique article. A um, couple of big names, obviously, in the edge defender class. Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, um, all starters. We're going we're gonna to draft. We're going to have a draft profile on tomorrow's show, one of which is a defender slash edge player. So you're going to want to check out who we talk about. And no, it was not one of those names. Um, we already did a profile on a guy like Kenyon Green. Hopefully you check that out. We've talked some Tyler Linderbaum as well. Cornerback uh, is one where you're going to want to look at if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, real good stuff from Lance Zierlein here. I liked that one. Now, finally, uh, a little bit of, I don't know what you would call this, a splash of cold water or what have you for Cincinnati Bengals fans. But I mentioned the questions and or the weakness of the tight end class with uh, the tight end group, rather, with the Cincinnati Bengals. And 
Rob Gronkowski was a name that was initially at the onset of free agency. Hey, let's bring him on over. This is on NFL.com. He is, quote, not ready to commit uh, to a decision on his football future as of yet. So his unretiring may have led him to rethink things. Um, He's only, I mean, I say only, I mean, 32. I feel like he's older than that because he's been in the league for so long, but uh, 32 years old and uh, probably could be an effective weapon still at this point in his career. And despite all of the injuries and whatnot that he's accrued over the years, but um, you know, hall of fame guy and, you know, (laughs) quote, I I knew if I started catching some passes that my head would have started turning like, Oh crap, I've got to get back out on the field. Uh, Right now. I'm not ready to get back out on that field. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to commit to the game of football right now. That is, what he told TMZ, uh, apparently, about his playing future with whomever, whether that is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whether that is with another team, who knows, but Gronk not ready to commit to football in 22 right now. Gut feeling probably says that probably going to reunite with Brady, if anybody, but we'll see what happens there. That's going to do it for us. We had a long, uh, well, decently long show. Good one, though. Got through a lot of headlines, a lot of stuff with the Cincinnati Bengals, a lot of stuff with the AFC North and the NFL. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Go check out those links I provided from a number of different sources. Also, you got to keep your eyes to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, podcasts, all kinds of different stuff. We've got a lot of stuff there for you. We appreciate the support. We appreciate the eyeballs reading and watching our stuff that we put out there for you. Hopefully you enjoy it. Again, subscribe to our YouTube channel right down here. You can click that icon to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when we're live, when new content is available and go subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and listen to it on your favorite audio streamer, whichever one that may be. We are there. We appreciate the support. Have a great Great rest of your week. We'll be back Wednesday. We'll be bringing you all kinds of stuff throughout the week. And oh, by the way, the song on the intro, the song going on the outro here, that is Holy Coast Band, a local musician in Ohio, Ian Ryder, great guy. He was on one of our Happen Headline show a while ago, supplied us with some great music. Their band is touring. Go check out the Holy Coast Band and check out Ian Ryder on Twitter, Twitter as well. Um, they do some good tunes and we appreciate them. We want to support their band, especially being a local Ohio band and whatnot. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.